Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books. And here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast. A mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring. Entertaining, yet stimulating. This is History Slices. And now, here's your hosts, Jacob and Rachel. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Mom. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Instantly messed it up. (laughs) It's going good. That's all right if you say, hey, Mom. All right, all right. How's it going? Going good. How's it going with you? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to getting into this episode about immigration. Mm-hmm. Did Did you decide if this was going to end up being a multi-part right. series? Or? So this is going to be a little bit of a divergence from what we typically do. I just want to kind of clarify before we really dive in. Immigration, uh, specifically to America, it, it's a broad topic, probably like the broadest we've covered so far. Um which is fine, but what that is is that um, I've kind of divided up us in a sense. Uh-huh. So the next couple weeks or episodes is going to be kind of covering that, but different eras of people coming in and stuff. Okay, cool. I think it's a neat idea to break it up like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, this first installment, immigration part one, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call it, and we're going to be talking about people coming, leading up to the revolution, basically pre-independence, um, okay, so to speak. That's that's the that's my ramble. That's my uh, you know kind of disclaimer there. Please bear with us while we experiment with the format. You know, it's just a uh, explanation, I guess. Cool. Uh, just so no one's lost or confused. Yeah. Anyway, so dive right into it. About 20,000 years ago. Whoa. <laughs> no, don't worry. Don't worry. There's uh, several distinct groups we're going to be talking about, and this is the first one. Now, uh, you probably know something about this because it's kind of a known thing. How did the Native Americans get to America? So basically, during like the uh, the ending of like the last Ice Age or whatever, um, about 20,000 years ago before like uh, Mesopotamia before or before a lot of these early civilizations that we know of, there was a land bridge and bridge is kind of a, not a misnomer, but it, it, it's the raw image. It wasn't like a bridge. It was like a, like across a river. It mm-hmm. was like as massive stretch of earth, basically stretching from Siberia to Alaska. Okay. Of course they weren't called that then. The Bering Strait is like where it is now because it of course no longer exists. And when I say 20,000 years ago, don't take that number too literally. The land bridge itself lasted for quite a while. Um, okay. As far as like human perspective is concerned. Okay. Uh, anywho, so people obviously crossed over from Upper Asia. They actually found DNA evidence that traces people like from like in North America, uh, traces people from like what is today Oceania and, mm-hmm. you know, like wow. those islands kind of in the South Pacific, uh, which is pretty crazy that, but at the same time, maybe not too crazy because this was that time where people were nomadic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they would follow their food and mm-hmm. that's why they crossed over. They didn't know they were doing so, I'm sure, uh-huh. because to them they it was all just They were just following, land. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
That's really interesting. We don't know. There's not too many like stories and stuff because, of course, of how far back it was. It's not like, hey, we found a journal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. We know kind of uh, a lot about this from DNA samples we found and have been able like to. The distribution of where people are. Yeah. And- yeah. And the reason why or the currently commonly accepted theory, because uh, it's one of those things that you know, scientific consensus changes with new evidence or new understandings mm-hmm. or whatever. But the current kind of um, theory, yeah, idea is that the reason why Native Americans look different than uh, East Asians is because while they were on that land bridge, they got isolated, <laughs> pun intended. Because mm. um, <laughs> what happens was like the northern like glaciers or frozen but they basically got cut off from uh mixing with other populations yeah yeah and that kind of ended up with them having like a different look to them Mm -hmm. after like a couple thousand years or however Mm -hmm. long it was of them like that so yeah just a little bit of very old very ancient history but i just thought that if we were for the sake of completeness um they were technically the first humans the first people here you know um which i know so I think how to say this in a way that, you know, will get people mad at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, they're they're Native Americans in the sense that they were here first. Uh-huh. But and you can say this with a lot of stuff in um, Asia and Europe and all that as well. And like Australia, you know, they technically like humans didn't originate here, you know. Yeah. The, the current thought is like Africa somewhere or something like that. But it's uh, technically at the time, they were immigrants as That's well. That's right. So. That's really true. I never really actually thought of them as immigrants. I always just mm-hmm. thought of them as na- native peoples. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of like the first group, like a brief kind of touch upon them. There, there's a lot of information about this stuff, and I don't want to get too finicky. It's yeah. kind of more of a, not a doctory, but like kind of a more simple, like here's some fun information. The second group were the Vikings or Norsemen. Mm. This is much later. Now, something you need to know about Norse history, because they actually kept records of their history, but because of how they did it, it's kind of hard to separate historical fact from mythical exaggeration. Oh, interesting. Um, that and they reused the law names, which is tricky sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> which laws are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... um. Uh, yeah, for example, like um, there's a semi-mythical, which is a term that means maybe existed, maybe didn't. There's a semi-mythical figure in Norse folklore history or whatever called uh, Ragnar Lothbrok or Lothbrok or whatever. And we're not sure he existed or not. It's uh, mm. possible he was several different Norse kings or whatever that got amalgamated into like one figure, which uh-huh. is kind of also what people think this is a lot of topic. But as an example, some people think the same thing is true with uh, King Arthur. I was thinking about King Arthur when you said that. Yeah, because yeah. he's one of those figures where it's like, well, was he real? Mm-hmm. Was he not real? Yeah. So just to give an example of like, it's hard to kind of tell sometimes with their history okay. and they're telling the history. That being said, like 700s to like the uh, 900s. Wait, was that, I'm sorry to interrupt. Was that around the 700s that uh, the Vikings started? Did you, you didn't give me a date. Oh, was no, that I'm sorry. Purpose? Around the 700s AD to like 900s AD, the Vikings, as they're commonly called now, I think Norsemen is probably more accurate, but they conducted a number of raids on what is today the British Isles, what is today France. I think it was called Francia at the time, something. Okay. Something recognizable, but not quite the okay, same. Okay, so 780, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I got Around you, that time, okay. basically 
medieval times, wow. which would have been terrifying for the people living there because there's these crazy wild northern people just coming up and ransacking totally your village. Totally different culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely different. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah. So they're really interesting. I can talk all day about them. But regardless, to give an example of how widespread Vikings were, there's even some accounts of them in the Mediterranean. Wow. Uh, so they were, and I don't know, you know. They made pretty far south. Geo- uh, Scandinavia is a bit removed from that. Yeah. So uh, regardless, they discovered Iceland. They, they sailed a lot. They liked to sail. So they found Iceland, which is actually quite green. Mm-hmm. And then they later discovered Greenland, which is actually quite icy. <laughs> and they, <laughs> anyway, so they started setting up colonies and stuff there. The problem is that like, First of all, Greenland, not a lot of forests, not a lot of um, wood, which they need for their ships and mm. their everything. They, they, they used a lot of timber and stuff like that for their, um, for their lifestyle and their culture. Iceland had that, but it was a lot smaller of a um, landmass, I guess you can say. So um, there was a lot of like exploration and stuff. At the time that we're going to jump into this story... It's around the 11th century or so. Okay. A lot of Scandinavia is um, converting to Christianity at this time. There's, uh, you probably heard his name before. There is a Viking by the name of Leif Erikson. Oh, yes. Yes. So, some background on Leif. (laughs) His dad, who's Eric the Red, I don't know why he's called that. He was uh, the person who founded the first successful colony in Greenland. Hmm. Um, there were others, but they kind of fell apart. That happens a lot in uh, history where, like, they found a colony and it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, Leif, at this time when um, Eric the Red went to Greenland, Leif was alive. He was, like, 18 or so, which is, like, an adult at that time <laughs> for that yeah, culture. Sure. <laughs> so, Leif, after a while, spent time in Greenland, he went back to Norway to do Viking stuff, uh, you know, raiding, <laughs> fighting, you know. A lot of younger people in the Norse colonies were going back to Scandinavia because there wasn't, I guess, too much to do mm-hmm. outside of, like, farming and setting up a colony and, you know, that stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the younger uh, guys were like, no, we want to, you know, get out there and do stuff. I'm sure it was more complicated than that, but that was, like, one of the mm-hmm. main reasons I found. Anyways, so I mentioned earlier that they were converting to uh, Christianity, Greenland was actually like one of the last places to do so. They're really, it's interesting from like a religious standpoint, and I'm always very interested in religion, you know, because the Norse, the Vikings, were one of the, at least in Europe, one of the last kind of pagan groups. You know, at this point, no one believed in Zeus, for example. No one believed in, uh, you know, Jupiter or whatever. But people in Scandinavia still believed in Odin, still believed in Thor. Like that was still a thing. While elsewhere in Europe, Christianity was a thing and as a side effect of them like raiding and kind of like intermingling with you know um the British Isles there's a lot of kingdoms there wasn't like England it was like Wessex or whatever you know mm-hmm. Northumbria whatever you know those kind of names that were already Christian <laughs> yeah they were Christian and the uh, Vikings started to pick up on it and mm. basically it spread to Scandinavia it was like a long process. Um, I don't want to sure. get too a, much into what it. What a but. conversion experience that would have been from mm-hmm. believing in Odin and things like that to a Christian viewpoint. Yeah. Interesting. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Leif Erikson converted to Christianity. Okay. He became a uh, warrior for uh, the Kinanori at the time named Olaf Trygsson. A lot of Scandinavian names are like, you know, three Gs yeah, and like a V. And then, you know, uh-huh. it's like, it's uh-huh. kind of tricky. Anyways. 
uh, Olaf. I'm gonna call him Olaf because that's I get that name. I can yeah. say that name. He was a Christian as well. He was like one of the first. There were others, but he was like one of the first like successful Christian kings okay. of uh, in that area. Anyway, so Olaf sends Erikson back to Greenland to try to convert more people to Christianity. Because again, like I said, that was like one of the holdouts uh, for Norse paganism, I think is like the correct term. Okay. Anyways, that's a lot of like backstory. <laughs> We're going to get to the new world soon. Don't worry. Yeah, that's fine. This is interesting. Yeah. So Erikson, when he's there, he meets a merchant by the name of Zarni Herjolson, something like that. Anyways, he's a merchant and he ha- this guy. He actually had sighted North America before. He didn't know what it was, but basically what it was, he got blown off course wow. while like delivering goods or supplies or whatever. He didn't make landfall, but he saw the coast oh. of we, based on descriptions, we believe it's northern Canada okay. as well, what's going on, which yeah. is very close to Greenland. Yeah. If you ever look at a map. Mm-hmm. That's really curious. Can you imagine seeing other land and just being like, oh, too busy, you got to you know, keep yeah. away and not going to explore. Well, it's also like just, I imagine it be very, not frightening, but very strange because for a you long- You don't know what's out there. Yeah, for a long time, people thought, that's it. That's just the ocean, you mm-hmm. know, or it's like they didn't necessarily think, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later, but they didn't necessarily think there was a supercontinent there, you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. all very f- interesting to think about. Anyway, so uh, Leif Erikson, he hears a story from this merchant. And Leif Erikson is an explorer, like his dad. He's into that stuff. So he's like, oh, man, that's just dope. Probably not exactly his words, but whatever. <laughs> so he wanted his uh, dad to lead the expedition because Eric the Red was still around. However, Eric, uh, and he was considered like a lucky, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, which, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe because his colony was successful. I don't yeah. know. But he had an injury before the voyage, so he couldn't quite make it. Mm. So it fell to Leif Erikson to basically man the uh, the voyage, the voyage, be in yeah. charge of it. I'll bet his dad, Eric the Red, was probably in his 30s, late 30s, maybe early 40s, maybe. And with sort of time is like pretty old because people just didn't live as long, you know, because they didn't have modern medicine or they just had like a, a more brutal lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, he had the the merchant I mentioned earlier, Zarni or however you say his name. <laughs> There's some words. We'll in. stick with first names. I think it's easier. Sure. So <laughs> That is his first name. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Some names in certain languages have like silent letters and stuff. So it's very confusing. Anyways, he took the merchant ship and crew and they set off. Basically, they kind of had like a, uh, I can't remember if they had a team up or he bought it from him or whatever the cause. They collaborated basically. Now, so they land on northern Canada and uh, a lot of Leif Erikson's descriptions, again, kind of like Matt's, we kind of have an idea. We don't know for sure because it's not like we're in here, you know, but it's like we have an idea that like it was um, in kind of like the northern part of like Canada because he mentions like a lot of flat land and like rocks and stuff. Mm. A lot of stuff that like fits the description. Matches that description. Yeah. And we know that like they landed somewhere because of where Greenland is compared to where North right. America is. Like that's kind of the same equilateral line or whatever <laughs> it is you call that, you know? Um, so we're like, okay, it was probably there. Latitude, uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. So a question that some people ask is why didn't the Vikings stay, right? Yeah. Because they're, they're clear they're colonizing, play, you know, they colonize yeah. Iceland and Greenland. It doesn't sound like a very hospitable place to stay. Did they meet anybody there or just 
describe land? Well, (laughs) it's an interesting story because they actually did have some contact with the natives. In fact, first of all, they explored like the the coastline a bit and gave it like a bunch of Norse names. (laughs) Like uh, Vinland was one of them, which basically means land of wine, which is like there's a lot of grapes here. Uh, But there's some confusion uh, nowadays about is that a specific place? Is that a bunch of places with that name? Is that just their name for a place with a bunch of berries, you know, like or grapes or whatever? So it's like it's kind of confusing. But (laughs) the area that they kind of not settled, but kind of landed in happened to have like a number of natives nearby. And Mm. they basically conflict erupted between the two. We don't know exactly for sure the details. In fact, for a long time, I think we didn't really know this happened, but there are Native American artwork at the time depicting, we know how they depict themselves, right? And they're depicting figures that aren't themselves okay. with what looks like beards. Okay. And so, you know, like, yeah. like longer faces, beards, Isn't whatever. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So it's like probably Vikings. Yeah. There's some interaction there. Yeah. And knowing how the Vikings are a bit of a warrior culture, mm-hmm. just that's just how they are. And the Native Americans are, well, depending on the tribe, of course, but not to that extent. You Usually, you can definitely see how conflict could have erupted just from like cultural misunderstanding of what was going on. Being threatened and. Sure, sure. There's weird people in the woods. That's Mm -hmm. freaky. There's strange invaders coming from the sea. You know, it's like. Is there anything, uh, any evidence from the, from E. E. Erickson? (laughs) (laughs) Leif Erickson? They did actually. um, Yeah, he did actually talk about like. So it's kind of confirmed on both sides. Yeah, yeah, that like. Like there were, they had a name for them. I don't remember it. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to say it, but they, uh, they had a name for the natives basically. Mm -hmm. And they described them with like uh, canoes made out of uh, skin, Hmm. which is interesting because that the tribe or tribes in that area use skin canoes. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, other tribes used like, um, like wooden canoes or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It's just interesting kind of... So it lines up. Yeah, it kind of all lines up. They got chased off, basically. There was only a couple Vikings compared to... like only like a hundred at most compared to a whole bunch of Native sure, Americans. Yeah. They probably weren't really there to stay. It was more of like an exploratory uh-huh. thing. Also, Greenland still at the time wasn't fully colonized. There's still like room and space and stuff there. So it was considered, this is impractical to uh-huh. like stay here. Yeah. Because. So like, okay, now we've seen it, but it's you, not Yeah, really... you would have to have like any colony set up in North America, if you're a Viking at the time, would be reliant on Greenland supplies this is reliant on iceland supplies this is reliant on scandinavian supplies Mm -hmm. you know so it's like it it becomes a bit impractical Mm -hmm. it was more of a visit than like migration or you know they're sort of just testing the waters yeah yeah but it was like i thought it was an interesting story and it kind of next kind of thing we want to talk about here in this timeline i want to talk about christopher columbus He's a bit of a controversial figure now, so I'm going to try to not get too into that. Uh-huh. Basically, this is centuries later. A lot of these events are like far removed from each yeah. other. So, first so of all, three or four hundred years after Lee Erickson. Yeah, this is a fourteen hundred, uh, late fourteen hundreds, right. early fifteen hundreds is kind of when he's doing his stuff. So, first of all, there's some misconceptions. People knew the world was round at the time. They didn't think it was flat. It wasn't like... Wasn't it Galileo or something around well, Galileo's the, time? The Greeks figured out the world was round because they used, like, mathematics and can, like, mm. measure, like, mm-hmm. the sun and the saddles of the sun. You know, they basically... They figured it out. 
Yeah, but um, I'm sure someone at some point thought the world's flat. People today think the world's flat, but it's like, you know, it wasn't like a big, he didn't set out yeah. to prove the world was round. He set out to um, find a better trade route to India. Right. So he was Italian, first of all, just some basic backstory. He's credit with being the discoverer. Well, for a long time he was, he wasn't the first European there. Cause of course that was Lee Ferrickson that we know of, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, he had this idea, Columbus did, that he was like, okay. First of all, he had several, I think you would call it um, selective research uh, in the sense that he took any idea that confirmed his hypothesis or Uh supported and ignored any that didn't, (laughs) which is a very good research. So basically, he had several conclusions he reached. One, the Earth was smaller than it actually was. Two, there wasn't a giant landmass in the way in between uh, Europe and Asia. And uh, the Atlantic was the only ocean, basically, was kind of his, his thought. So he's like, okay, he convinced um, the king and queen of Spain. He tried uh, like the Italian monarchy first. And they're like, no, <laughs> this guy seems kind of sadie. One, two, a lot of his demands were like, um, you know, oh, you and I will be allowed to be the governor. I'll give you all the gold that I know is there. Yeah. Wink, wink. And <laughs> uh, you can make me governor and like my descendants governors and blah, blah, blah. Basically, he wanted a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. So the Italian government or government, the Italian monarchy, they're like, no. So he went to the Spanish monarchy. The king was a little like, hmm, I don't know. The queen liked him. They were of like a similar age or whatever. So she's like, oh, I'll give it a shot. Why not? So he was given three sips. This is a very famous story for us Americans because yes. we hear it a lot when yeah. we're young. The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Uh-huh. Fun names. Yeah. They're Spanish, but it's fun names. They departed August 3, 1492. It lasted a while to get there um, just because they didn't really know where they were going. Uh, at one point, the crew threatened a mutiny because it was just like the winds had died down and they're kind of stuck in the middle of the Atlantic. Gosh. And he's like, okay, if we don't find land within three days, we can go back. We can turn back. And that's that. Two days later, they found land. Oh, my gosh. Um, the uh, Give a kind of an example of the type of person Christopher Columbus was. He offered the first person to cite land would get a, a financial award, uh-huh. which he didn't live up to that bargain because he claimed this he is saw it first. Yeah, he he claimed that like, well, the night before I saw a light or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, he claimed that like uh, with some people online, it's like, oh, a UFO sighting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, basically he claimed that he saw first, so he didn't have to give this other guy any money. And you, you that's clearly you believe that he didn't see it first. I do not know, um, but just. I mean, he might have, but it, here's the thing with someone who lies repeatedly about everything. You have to really question. When they tell the truth, you don't know. Yeah. And you just have to assume that, like, because I don't mean to, like, have too much of a um, hey on for Christopher Columbus. I don't like him as a person. But my own feelings aside, he did promise gold to the king and queen of Spain that he didn't have and didn't really know if there was gold there. Yeah. And there's but other he made stuff. Them believe he, that. Yeah. And there's other yeah. stuff he did later on, but needless to say, I step off my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> they land in the Caribbean and he, uh, it's funny. He actually thought, um, he was in Asia at first. Kind of famously, he thought Cuba was Japan or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Really like, off base. He was, Really, he didn't. He didn't know what was up. I mean, he kind of, I think, figured that they weren't really. You know, later on, he was like, "Oh wait, no, this is a new place." So he established that Asia, quote unquote, could be reached uh, from Europe. Uh. So he goes back to Spain, basically. 
he says, there's rivers of gold. You know, you can just, you know, gra- grab a handful, wow. you know, all that. Yeah. It'll help with like the, your European <laughs> interests, your wars, your all that stuff. And they, uh, the king and queen ate it up. They're like, oh, awesome. So he, they gave him 17 sips to go back as opposed to the three before. One of the things is he didn't just say there is a lot of gold. He also said there's a lot of slaves that you can potentially use. And a lot of Native Americans on the second trip were enslaved and or killed. Like it was like a big, well, and killed, I should say. It was a big kind of um, like like one of the uh, local tribes in the area. They lost like half their population oh, wow. or something. Yeah. And we'll when you say the area, what? area are you talking about just on the east coast it was like in the um in the caribbean yeah on the caribbean mm-hmm. and stuff kind of more southern than um what he's sometimes in pop culture portrayed as you know he didn't land in new york or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah. so the number of casualties uh in this mad kind of rust for gold that wasn't really there uh there was some gold but it wasn't like a anywhere near what he claimed there was, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, some of the natives had, like, little gold, like, as, like, mm. earrings or decoration, but it wasn't, like, mounds of it. It was, like, just, like, a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this crazy, greedy blindness, 125,000 people died or around, oh, which is pretty such bad. Such a big number. Yeah, I know. So wow. there's a couple other voices he did, but he eventually got in trouble with the Spanish monarchy because he... Wasn't producing enough. That and he did not really know how to properly run a colony. It didn't help that a lot of the um, people he was given to run it were like convicts and stuff. (laughs) So that doesn't help uh, like anything. Uh, But it was also like uh, he was just kind of uh, him and his brother, actually, who was there as well. They're just kind of brutal and not really good at yeah, like. Gosh, uh, I didn't actually leadership. realize he had a brother that was involved in this. That's yeah. interesting. So he got in trouble with the Spanish monarchy due to being basically a scumbag. However, eventually he died of old AIDS uh, after like four or so trips to New World. Wow. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, actually, I say old AIDS. It might have also been just sickness because he was kind of an unhealthy person as well. Oh, okay. Not that he was overweight or anything. I just think he just had some illnesses okay. in his life. Anyway, so people are just feeble. Yeah, especially at the time. This opened the floodgates, of course, because now all these European powers and nascents are like, oh, the race crap. is on to There's get over there. There's yeah. this giant resource laden continent that's just right over there, basically. Yeah. You just have to cross the Atlantic, which is not as difficult as it sounds. People nowadays cross the Atlantic in like a rowboat. You know what I mean? Uh, like not frequently though. No, but you know what I mean. But it's a thing you can do if you know what you're doing. I guess, yeah. Um, so it's kind of a uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that's just like they they realize it's there. They start a mass colonize basically. It you've got uh, I have a bit of a list here. Bear with me. You got the French, of course. You got the British, both English and Scottish people. French and British, of course, historical rivals in that sense. Uh, you got the Spanish, naturally. They were more just interested in gold than actually setting up like proper long-lasting colonies. Uh-huh. Um, you got the Dutch. You got the Germans, the Danish. Tons of people in Europe started to come over and set up colonies or explore or what have you. Also, the African slave trade was a thing, and that ended up causing a lot of Africans to end up here. So already, it's a bit of a melting pot. Yeah. Um, not a, not in the sense that we would like kind of think of it that term now, where it's like there's a bunch of different ethnicities on the street or whatever, but it was like there's a lot of different colonies with different cultures set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them had 
Well, overall, it was kind of a uh, loss for the natives. Some of the colonies had more amicable, 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 sir, uh, relations with the natives. You know, like they uh, they traded like some information or some supplies or whatever. Others very hostile to each other. Of course, it's it was all a mixed bag, and some start out friendly and then fell through. Yeah. Um, you know, because you had multiple colonies with different kind of how they would do things. They had multiple tribes and different how they would do things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like in um, popular culture, not just recent, but also like historic. There's kind of a tendency to paint one side as black and one side as white. Depending Without on all the nuances of different gonna. cultures yeah, and, and locations. Well, it was kind of an unfortunate reality of like, yeah, they're going to colonize it because it's a new thing. And yeah, people live there already. And that's going to be you know, not work out well, (laughs) you know, a lot of them died of just European diseases, like before they even saw a European, you know, they just got like sick. It is more nuanced because some of the native tribes were violent, you know, and some of the colonists were violent and some of them weren't. And, you know, it's just, it's a whole big thing. That being said, I want to talk a little bit about some of the people that are setting up these colonies. So can you tell me, are we like in the 1500s now? Yeah, we're like in the 1500s at this point, 1500s, 1600s around then. So we're kind of leading up to the start of American, as in our country, United States of American, the beginning of our history, basically, okay. is around this point. So there were the uh, the Puritans, which you probably heard. They're the guys who wear belt buckles on their hats. I don't know why. <laughs> not their shoes, not their belts, their hats. I'm sure it made sense at the time. Are you sure they didn't wear them on their shoes? They I probably like they did. I probably did. I'm, anyway, I'm they did definitely have... Poking maybe they were them. just really good at making belt buckles. Maybe. If I was good at something, I would do it a lot. I'd wear it on my hat. Sure, why not? Fashion statement. So they migrated from England in order to practice their belief system, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Robin Williams, a late great comic, he once made a joke about the Puritans. He's like, how uptight do you have to be for the British to kick you out? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and they were very uptight. They were very kind of like a very regimented, strict lifestyle to the point when, when I was typing my notes... You know how you misspell a word and then it like <laughs> underlines it with uh-huh. red and you can click on it, left click on it. And it's like, do you mean this yeah. word or here's a synonym? I did that with Puritan. I right clicked on it and it said prude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it also nowadays, now it doesn't mean prude it also means stickler as yeah. well. So yeah. it's like, I mean, I don't think they're often used in that sense, uh-huh. but it's like, that's kind of, they become synonymous mm-hmm. with someone who has a really kind of like super, super strict, strict, regimented belief system. Yeah. Not a lot of leeway there. For- no, no. Another interesting person that came over, not really known to history too much farmer by the name of Thomas Minor. Uh, he arrived from England in 1630. He's not too famous. He has a journal that has survived, strangely enough. The reason I'm bringing this Ram guy up, first of all, his descendants ended up being us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, as my maiden name is Minor. Yeah. Uh, he also apparently had some relations, like distantly, to the uh, Rockefellers and uh, future president, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Mm, interesting. Yeah, which I don't know the whole timeline and stuff, yeah. but that's just like while researching. Yeah, you know, so he was one up. of the first people to come over and start helping yeah, colonize. The, uh, like 1630. So yeah, mm-hmm. pretty, well, I don't know if I'd say pretty early on, but early on enough, you know, like the miners were around during the revolution, yeah. basically. Don't know what they did, but they were around. 
I didn't want to get into every single colony local because there's a lot. You can look at the list and it's like literally just well, the list of countries, scrolling, scrolling. You know, European countries that you named. Yeah, and they were saying uh, multiple colonies each yeah. one. So I want to talk about like some of the the a couple of the more famous noteworthy colonies. And if anyone listening is interested, you can look up some more because it's really fascinating. And this information is free online for uh-huh. everyone. <laughs> so first of all, New Netherland is a Dutch colony. They founded a city or a, a settlement that later became a city that they called New Amsterdam. It was kind of up on the uh, eastern, well, obviously a lot of these are on the eastern coast, but you know, like uh, near the, it's New York, basically, okay. is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the British <laughs> bought New Netherland at one point. They renamed it New York. Ah. New Amsterdam became New York City, oh. which... Today is arguably, uh, there's, I think, debate about this, but arguably one of the more important cities around just because, you know, that's where, like, the United Nations meet and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, like, hugely important. Yeah, and it is interesting. What old roots it's got. Yeah, former Dutch colony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know um, if that has anything to do with New York or uh, specifically southern New York, like where the city is, if that has anything to do with, like, they're kind of having a more unique culture than like some other places or Mm. if that's just side effect of being a major city Uh and kind of like very international metropolitan type of a thing yeah yeah i don't know it's interesting but i don't know another one this one was an infamous one roanoke Mm -hmm. basically it's it's more well known for its sellers all disappearing than um anything else uh the guy who found it john white he left to like the I don't know if it was the UK, I call that at a time, but he left back to like England to like get supplies or, or whatever. And he came back. He came and- back. They were gone. The thing was deserted. Allegedly, of course, it's like, I can't remember if this was outright confirmed or not. The only sign or only evidence you could find of what happened to them, someone had written the road Croatoan on like one of the trees. Right. Don't know what that means. That's right. I, I do remember learning about that. Yeah. There's a lot of outlandish theories about what happened to them. The most likely one is they all starved, got sick, or got in trouble with the locals. Yeah, um, or got hungry and had to move on or something. Yeah, they migrated more no evidence, inland yeah. and they just kind of fell apart. There's still a place called Roanoke. Uh, I'm sure. There's a lot of reused names. Um, that's true, too. It might not be the original spot. Yeah. So that's Sorry kinda... if you're from Roanoke and I don't know <laughs> your history is there. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. But it, it was an it, it's an interesting like kind of early mystery. Yeah. It's like, what happened there? I don't know. So- what a risk they were all taking. Though. Oh, it was you know, such that, a risk. That Roanoke is the only colony that has, I'm sure there are many other colonies that, had, that met early demise. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, that's kind of entered a popular culture. Like more recently, I remember when this was a thing. I was in college at the time. The So American Horror Story had a bit of, as a season about Roanoke. Mm. I'm told it was okay. Hmm. <laughs> not good i told it was okay but <laughs> i don't want that so so i don't know but it, anyways it's just it's interesting that that's kind of persisted that yeah, story yeah it's probably the mystery surrounding it i uh, it is undoubtedly the mystery surrounding yeah. it jamestown was more of a success mm-hmm. uh it is in what is today virginia though it isn't really a, a thing anymore it got abandoned in um 1699 but it was a um it was successful it was like the first successful british settlement and which seems a, pretty late, doesn't it? 1699. Yeah. Well, it ended in 1699. It ended in 1699, yeah. So there's, at this point, there's a lot of colonies, and a lot of different interests in North America. People are like trying to find, you know, export like beavers and stuff. It's like the whole Colombian exchange, uh-huh. uh, which was like basically um, 
Europeans, either knowingly or unknowingly, in the case of like diseases, bringing stuff into the Americas and exporting out a lot of plants and fruit and stuff that is from the Americas mm-hmm. into Europe. Hence the exchange part, lots yes. of back and forth that never existed before. Yeah, they also brought in like horses and stuff, yeah. which weren't really a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're unicorns or something. I mean, horses used to be in North America, uh, and we know it's because there are old like Native American legends and stories of them, but they weren't around when Europeans brought horses over. Hmm. I guess they died out or whatever, or what have you. But the natives really took to horses. Like if you ever seen old Western, the natives always riding horses and stuff. They liked horses. The Aztecs got freaked out because this was around that time where like, first of all, the Aztecs are a very, it's very unfortunate uh, on multiple, for multiple reasons about them because one, they were very warlike and very kind of, I don't want to use the term problematic, but for lack of better one, they were problematic. Their neighbors, like their native neighbors, thought they were weird. So it wasn't <laughs> just like, oh, I guess that's just a Mexico thing. No, they were like, oh, they're, they were weird. Huh. They kept a bunch of rival, smaller kind of entities, tribes, states, whatever you want to call them, around them so they can continue to raid them to get human sacrifices so they can keep the world from ending. That was yeah. their thought. Yeah. <laughs> they came across Cortez, the Spanish, uh-huh. who were, and again, I don't want to like villainize anyone Cortez was not a good person wasn't um, wasn't Cortez didn't he also hit Florida or am I thinking of a different person oh uh, he might have there was like a, also a, like a Pizarro or whatever yeah like there, there was a couple noteworthy Spaniards yeah that were that was like around. in the 1500s yeah? yeah 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 but basically so you have a pretty brutal kind of nasty culture meaning another pretty brutal kind of nasty mm-hmm. culture who's like the Spanish at this point and our family is from Spain at least partly so I'm not Half like you know uh-huh. yeah I'm not trying to like oh they all sucked that wasn't true but their interests were more in there's some gold here somewhere mm-hmm. there's gotta be you mm-hmm. know so they're looking for Riches. monetary yeah gain yeah. and are less kind of concerned with fostering peaceful relations let's yeah. say <laughs> that's uh, a good way to put it so they kind of like the Cortez and the Spanish are kind of responsible for the whole Aztecs like collapse basically. But the reason I bring it up besides it's just being relevant is the Spanish brought with them horses. Mm-hmm. Aztecs never seen a horse before. Mm-hmm. So in their description of Spanish, it's really interesting. First of all, they talk about like their metal armor and stuff, mm-hmm. which is very alien to them and looked very frightening. Also, they talked that they had giant dogs. Oh, yeah. Which is a horse. But the closest thing they can compare it to was a weird giant dog of yeah. some kind. That must have been uh, pretty frightening. Yeah, I know. They actually, um, Matsuzuma, I almost said Kokatsu, that's a totally different thing. <laughs> Matsuzuma thought, at least at first, that Cortez might have been some sort of a god. Kokatsu. Yeah, uh, the feathered serpent was actually, actually, as far as ancient deities go, pretty chill. He only, like, I mean, he needed sacrifice, but it was us human. Koketzel wanted butterfly sacrifices, not human sacrifices. (laughs) You know, like, kind of chill, kind of like a decent person, (laughs) at least in the myths. Anyways, so the story goes, and this is kind of just, I don't know how accurate this is. The day or week before Cortez showed up, Masazuma got a vision of uh, Koketsol or he gets like uh-huh. a sign or something. Uh-huh. And that leads him to think, oh, these strangers with their crazy yeah. uh, looks and their crazy animals and stuff, they're, you know, they're uh, divine. And of course they weren't. And they milked it to basically get inside their um, 
the Aztec city, who's, I can't ever remember how to pronounce the name, Tecototen, whatever. The big city on the lake that looks really beautiful, I'm sure. It's no longer a theme because of this, but it's just sad, but whatever. But basically, they, um, they held Matsuzuma ransom, and it was a whole debacle, um, and it didn't turn out well at all for the Aztecs, or I've been calling them Aztecs this whole time. They, that's the name given to them. They call themselves the Mexica, I think. This is where we get Mexico from. I don't know. It, it History is complicated and confusing. But that being said, I want to talk about this. I can't really say time period because it was several. But I want to talk about this kind of topic, kind of this lead up. It's not exactly immigration as we would define it today. It was more people colonizing, yeah. which is a little different, I would argue. Mm-hmm. But the um, I want to kind of stress that like, because I think it should be every person here except for arguably the Native Americans, and even then they came from Asia, is from somewhere else or is descended from someone who came from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Rather, that was later on where it was like, oh, yeah, my grandpa's from Poland or whatever. Or if it was a, no, like my family came on with like the pilgrims or something, you know, set up a colony. And I just think that's really fascinating and interesting. And I want to kind of have that as... First of all, it made sense from a chronological standpoint, but I wanted to have that as kind of like the first episode uh, that we're going to talk about this. The next time we're going to get into like after the United States of America was established and people coming in after that and like uh-huh. kind of the aftermath of it. Yeah, um, interesting. So we've got this foundation now. Yes. Uh, this is kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that wasn't too rambly. <laughs> no, I thought that was really interesting. You definitely started before I anticipated, but <laughs> I can imagine when you kind of head into the research of, okay, mm-hmm. how are we going to talk about immigration? Where do you start? Yeah, you know, exactly. So you, you've, you've established a good starting point. This is what it was like. And and let me tell you, not to interrupt, but let me tell you something. I actually, I'm missing this to you, my co-host, uh, the other day. For those listening, this was such a pain to research, <laughs> not because I'm not interested in the subject or because I think it's like lame or whatever, but because it's so multifaceted mm-hmm. and so much stuff is, go- I had to restart my notes can- yeah. at one point. I lost like a day of work basically because I'm like, this is too cluttered. It's not working. Because it's, like you, you said, the, the, I like multifaceted because that makes you think of all the different perspectives and different mm-hmm. offshoots of mm-hmm. any one of the things that you've talked about today. We could have probably done a whole episode or series on <laughs> each one. You know, yeah. Each one of the places where these people came from, you know, the push pull factors and, you know, why did they, why did they even come? And can you imagine living at that time in Europe or wherever and having the guts to leave home to go to a completely unknown place you know there's no email there's no postal service there's nothing to connect you back to you're just completely going off into the unknown yeah and it's hard to imagine that for me in this day and age because so much is already known about our surroundings and yeah i mean even like when there was successes there was at great cost like jamestown right. which i mentioned earlier their first winter i think or one of their first winters particularly brutal yeah. And they lost a number of people because they didn't really know how to cope and how yeah. to work with that. Huge um, cost. So a lot of bravery and a lot went into that. And just comparatively speaking, it makes me wonder if today's day and age, like I started talking about how we know everything sort of about our surroundings. So there's not much of a surprise. <laughs> Yeah. Like the next thing would be going into space. You know, that kind of feels like today what it felt like back then going to a whole nother continent. And I'm not at all comfortable thinking about 
living in space. I know you don't like <laughs> so, you don't like space because yeah. it freaks you out. But That's I wonder. Fair. I just wonder if they felt that same. I'm sure they did. Vast it, it like, um, it's like anything. The New World, the Wild West, underwater, space, the moon, mm-hmm. that stuff. Whatever is at the borders, the boundaries of the known human. Yeah, the known human, uh, not only civilization, but human knowledge, you know, that gets a lot of people interested, you know, like mm-hmm. not to deviate too much, though they're kind of wrapping up now. So I guess it's yeah. fine. We obviously can't observe all of space. Like if you were to zoom out far enough, and it'd be like, okay, here's our solar system, here's our galaxy, here's the surrounding galaxies, here's this, there's that. Then you get to the edge of like, this is what we can observe. Mm-hmm. And then you zoom out more and it's like, this is what we think is the rest of the yeah. universe yeah. that we can't, we don't know anything about. Stuff like that is really interesting. And it's, I think it speaks, one, things are kind of crappy here. Let's try somewhere else as to why people would do this. Two, adventure, excitement. I think humans as a species kind of have a a desire to... Push the boundaries. Yeah, push the boundaries and see what they can get away with. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, you know. So in a way, there's a lot, you know, the boundaries that just keep getting bigger and broader in different directions and yeah. even different topics. Yeah, for better or for Science worse, and as the like case that. might yeah. be. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so. it was an excellent beginning to the immigration series. I think that, like, it's a really great foundation. I learned a lot. So Okay, yeah. wonderful. All right, uh, so well, part uh, two next time. Yep, join us next week. We're going to continue on until like the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s, depending on how it ends up being divided. Yeah. <laughs> so look forward to that. We're going to have like a lot of fun uh, stories and a lot of fun kind of like what was going on at the time. And yeah, hopefully be interesting. Very good. Nice job, listeners. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Confucius once said, study the past if you would define the future. You've been listening to the History Slices podcast with Jacob and Rachel. We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think, and we hope you were entertained. We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out, too. One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off.